Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dishing with Stephanie's Dish podcast. I'm excited to have you here. As you know, I've had a couple episodes. I think I've had like 28 episodes so far of this version of the podcast. I have a lot of podcasts, so it's kind of hard to keep up. But I wanted to have one where I specifically talked with people that were writing and writing books about cookbooks and writing books about food. And today is a gal named Lisa Patron, I think. Is that how you say your last name, Lisa? Patron, yep. Patron, okay. Uh Um, And she has been an Insta follower of mine and I of hers. She's also a food blogger at Empty Nester's Kitchen. And she's come out with a book called Eat Your Words, 125 Food and Beverage-Themed Puzzles for Hungry Minds. Lisa, I was so delighted when I saw on Instagram that you were like working on this book and you posted like, here it is, this book. I was so excited to talk to you because I have been following you for a while. You're a great recipe developer, good recipe tester. I love all your recipes and I go to your site often. And now you've put these, these um, ideas into what is a puzzle book, which is kind of surprising. When I got it, I was like, oh, this is so great. So describe the puzzles for me. Is it a, is it like, it's not an anagram, it's a type of puzzle, right? Yeah, so it's a type of puzzle. And um, my goal with it when I started was I try, I was trying to think about, do I want to do a crossword type puzzle? Do I want to do a word find? But um as I developed it and as I worked on it, I decided that just having a space for people to, each puzzle has a theme, a food theme, and with five clues. And then um, just having a spot for people to be able to put the answers in very directly down below seemed like a good option to me. And when I was researching, I really didn't see anything else like that out there. So I thought it was kind of a unique um, way to approach it. Yeah, I'm going to try and do one with Steph on Weekly Dish this weekend. Oh, good. See if she can guess some of the clues. But it's holiday gift-giving season coming up, and Eat Your Words is just a great book for the foodie in your life. I often, my husband would laugh if he heard me, like, I don't have, okay, since I had cancer, that was 10 years ago, and one of the things that happens when you get a lot of chemotherapy is apparently you have a focus problem. And I used to be a giant reader. And now I can't have that same level of focus or I don't have that same level of focus. So when we're like watching TV or when I'm dry, when he's driving, I'm always like doing something and I'm not good for long bursts of time. So I always have like a... Uh, Sudoku or I have puzzle books. I take them when I travel. And so I was so excited because I thought this would be perfect for me. Yeah. I mean, that was another um, one of my, you know, I always am trying to lead with curiosity and um, I love to learn things. And when I travel, that is a perfect time because I feel like I don't have to be focused on anything else. And so, you know, like you have permission to sit down and do something fun. But with this, you can also learn some new tips and techniques too. So what was your background before this book? Like, I know you're the empty nester's kitchen, but did you have like a career or do you still have a career? Uh, I did. I'm a nurse by trade. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah. So I worked at Hennepin County Medical Center in their um, medical intensive care for a long time. Sure. I was the assistant head nurse for a period of time before I retired from that. And Um, we moved to California when our oldest was 10. I have two boys 
and so when I was out there, I just started exploring more food and wine related things. I had a little more time to be able to do that. I also grew up in an Italian family. Uh, my grandpa, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Delmonico's Italian Deli that was in Northeast Minneapolis. Of course. Yeah. So that was my grandpa and his five brothers that started that. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. And, you know, growing up in that family, whenever I go to my grandma and grandpa's house, my memory of him was always he'd be standing in the kitchen in his khaki pants and his white t-shirt cooking sausage and peppers from the store. And so that's the first puzzle in my book is sausage. And that's a little ode to him. Um, but anyways, that's so that is my family background. As a nurse, I learned a lot about nutrition and how important it is. And that's another thing that, you know, ingredients can affect what you eat can so much affect how you feel. Um, and so helping people learn more about that is was one of my goals as well. I love um, it. Yeah. You know, I, I decided to start the Empty Nesters Kitchen because when our children were both leaving, you know, our kitchen has always been a hub of energy. And I think sometimes people take the connotation of empty nesters as sad or lonely. And we wanted it. I wanted it to continue to be a hub of energy. And so that's why I started writing and wanting to share my recipes and things like that with other people via that avenue. So, yeah, absolutely. And you like, do you have you're doing most of this, I'm assuming, for fun or for a paid Instagram, if we can get it right. It's kind of a challenging space. Yeah, I don't do a lot paid, um, but, you know, I think my goal is always just to, you know, I'm trying to influence for good wherever I can, um, and whether that be recipes or local support, we just have so much amazing local food and so many local makers here that that's another um, way that I like to use my social media and my blog to really support farmers and producers and things like that. So you, you had a post recently that really spoke to me that looked so good about Kernza. Yeah. How Kernza you got so, involved with that? So I got involved with that through Sue Marshall at net zero. And she, um, she was connected with Tattersall, which is how I learned about her initially. Um, and she was my first segue into what upcycled foods were taking food that could have otherwise been wasted or thrown away and upcycling it into something healthy and edible um, for human consumption. Yeah. And so um, Kernza is one of the avenues that she's using to, to do that. Um, so I've been experimenting with Kernza grains and Kernza from Minnesota um, and all of, all sorts of upcycled grains from net zero. Um, in fact, last week I made a Kernza, a banana bread, or excuse me, a pumpkin bread with Kernza and chocolate chips. Oh, and it was fantastic. Um, and I mentor, I'm helping with a mentoring program with high schoolers. And so we were trying to teach them about upcycled ingredients. And I served that to them and they said, wow, this is, this is great. I mean, you know, so it's exciting to me. I get excited about um, helping other people learn about what's out there in those realms. So I just read a story um, recently, I guess this morning about Redhead Creamery and my friend Elise Showstrom, who I'll see at the Lexington coming up because she's hosting a dinner with me. But I didn't realize that they are trying to upcycle the whey from mm -hmm. the curds that they make into a vodka. So oh. they're 
talking about how to create, again, that closed loop system Mm -hmm. so that they can use those waste products to make and distill vodka, which I was like, oh, wow, vodka made from whey of cheese, like yum. Yeah, that sounds amazing. The other thing that Zero was doing, and I think they still are, was is um, taking eggshells and upcycling it into collagen products. That makes so much sense. I would totally rub eggshells on my face and our grandma did. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So there are just so many cool things happening, you know, in that upcycling world. And, And that's another thing that I, you know, I'm always really thrilled to share. So... So how long did it take you to write your book? Um, So the book actually started many years ago. Um, I was trying to find a way to educate people in a unique and um, just a different way about food. And so I wrote this puzzle back in 2007, scratched it out on a little piece of paper, and I sent it all around to a bunch of different um, media outlets. And the Star Tribune picked it up. And so it ran for, I think, three years back then. So I had a whole bin of puzzles in my office, you know, probably 200 of them. Um, and during COVID last winter, I was woke up one night and said in the middle of the night, and I thought, you know what, I've been having these puzzles in my office forever. I always wanted to do something more with them. So I think now is the time. So while the puzzles started and were written, some of them over quite a few years, sure. um, the book itself took 10 months once I decided to do it from the time I started to it when I finished it. it it's kind of crazy to think about. We're starting to see the very beginning of a lot of these COVID projects because that's kind of how the cookbook that I'm working on started too. You know, we were just, my husband and I were like, what's next? And he is, he is a writer and has been writing for five years since he officially retired. And was working really hard to get his book published. And I was like, God, I should write a cookbook. He goes, you should, you know, it'd be fun. And we talked about what the theme would be. And he said, well, I'll help you write um, the, what is it called that you have to write? There's a name for it. And I'm totally drawing a blank. The manuscript or the foreword? You have to, oh, you have to write a query letter. Oh, And the query letter is something that you send to the publisher to say, you know, this is my story, this is my project, this is the theme, here's a sample, here's what Mm -hmm. it's going to look like. So he helped me, we went on the Minnesota Historical Press website and he helped me put it together and we got it put together and I wrote the story, he edited it, then he added some stuff, then we edited it again then I like, okay, I want these recipes and we put it all together and we submitted it. And then they called and they were like, sure, this looks like a great project. (laughs) I have had the most massive imposter syndrome ever since, because it's just this idea that you could do like produce something like this. Do you feel, do you have, I mean, you've done it because you published in the newspaper. Yeah, but I mean, I understand, I, and I totally get it too. I mean, seeing something like that come to fruition um, and being able to say, "Oh, I've actually authored something." Yes, um, it's crazy. It really, yeah, it is crazy, and it's a super exciting feeling. And for you guys, how great that you have two authors in your house, two books. You that's a lot to celebrate. Yeah, it really is, and also it's been. I don't know. I'm getting, my deadline is December 31st for my manuscript. So I'm really in like the, I'm in the kind of stressful part where I'll get it done, 
but it's just when you're working on a project like this, you don't really have deadlines. They're sort of self-imposed and it's as good as you want to make it. And I'm wanting to be like, it be really good. And then it's also super personal. Like, do you feel really personal about your book too? Oh, definitely. For sure. I do. I mean, I, you know, it's like, so I self-published and um, my husband helped me with the, you know, the formatting of the boxes. And so the two of us, you know, would read it and reread it. And then I would send it um, the self the indie publishing company that I worked with. We would go back and forth. They would send me a draft. I'd read it. Is it good enough? No, not yet. <laughs> you know, and it just, you know, you keep doing it over and over again. Cause I do take it. Like I really want it to be great. Yes. Um, that's really important to me. So it is a super personal thing. I didn't want to just put something out there. Um, without really putting a lot of thought into it. Yeah. And I think that's the part I'm endeavoring next, because once I turn in the manuscript, then, you know, they have it for 10 months to do what they need to do with it. And I know the process kind of starts all over again and they're questioning and it's just, I don't know. It's been a lot. I'm learning a lot. I'm excited about it, but it's fun to talk to other people that are going through the process too. And um, where can we get your book? You self-published it. So have, are you taking it along? Do you have like a box of a hundred in your car at all times? I do. <laughs> I do. And I'm working really hard to get it into right now. It is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but I'm working really hard to get it into local bookstores, not only for, because I think it's great to, you know, support local bookstores. And I, and I also want my friends and people going around to be able to just, you know, support that. So, yep. um, while Amazon is easy local is a great thing to be able to do. So right now um, I've just been pounding the pavement on that recently and it's in the Lotus books in, or Lotus gifts, excuse me, in Chanhassen. That's my first local. Okay. Um, Hoping to have it in a lot more. Um, I've been visiting Excelsior Bay books and many other ones. So fingers crossed that they will pick it up as well. And maybe Lakewinds too, because I was just there and they had like 25 books up on this case for holiday. Yeah. And that's my, that's my stop today. Oh, it is. Okay. So I have a good feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I have a whole, I have a great list and I ultimately, I would love to get it into airports because I think it would appeal, you know, to travelers for sure. People who love food and who are looking at global cuisines. There is a store too inside and the airport has changed so much from pandemic to now or pre-pandemic to now there was a store in there that's featured only like Minnesota made products so that might be a good fit you know who can probably help you with that is Robin Robinson because she worked at the airport commission for a long time oh thank you yeah maybe reach out to her on Instagram and she's a maker too she makes jewelry so she Mm -hmm. might be a good contact also yeah it's just it's fun it's fun to think about you know, this idea of that you can create something that's based in your love of food and then take it out into the world. Now, where have you been eating locally? Are you eating out in restaurants yet? Um, We are, we are. So not as much as before, for sure. Um, We had a great experience at the Dakota last week. Me too. Yeah. I mean, just so much fun to listen to music and talk to Remy Pettis about all the cool things he's doing. And, you know, he touched our hearts in terms of his focus on responsible sourcing and sustainability and, you know, just how hard he's working on that. So that was great. Um, And then Zen box. 
Yeah. One of my favorite ramen places. <laughs> you know, I just saw on their Instagram that they're making chili crisp that you can buy. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. I was just messaging with Lena about that this morning. I sent her notes such and nice people so too. They are, they are just amazing. Um, let's see where else. Oh, Billy Sushi. Yep. Haven't even been yet. Can you believe it? Oh, it was just, it was, I, we got in once, <laughs> but it was great. And yeah. just a really upbeat, you know, energetic vibe. There. Yeah. He's so great. When really you, you mentioned that you're not eating out as much and I'm not eating out as much either. And it's not even necessarily intentional. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, I think the way that my life has changed. And also like, there's not as much spontaneity to dining out as there used to be with, I can't get a reservation anywhere on a Friday night and, you know, no one needs to feel sorry for me, but you used to be able to, you know, if you had a handful of restaurants last night, I was by myself and I wanted to just pop into a bar somewhere and eat. And I was in St. Paul and I was going down my list, like Jones in the park was closed. Uh, Chips clubhouse was closed. Hyacinth was closed. Like Mm-hmm. It was just all of the places that I normally could have maybe popped in and gotten a seat. Oh, I was going to go to Kaluna. That was closed. So I just kind of, I've ended up at, um, at Stewart's in St. Paul and I hadn't been for a while. And so I'm really glad I ended up there, but it, it's just kind of a different experience. You need to be much more intentional about your dining. Right. Stewart's is great. That's a good place to end up. <laughs> yeah, it sure um, was. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, you do have to at least, with COVID, we were stuck at home for so long and things did change in the industry in terms of what's open, what's not, different hours. And so you're right, the spontaneity is is different for sure. Um, and I just feel like we have to think more about our plans now. I mean, I, you can't just, we used to just pop downtown for dessert or ramen at Spoon and Stable on Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Um, you know, they're late night specials that they had. And so I think COVID has changed that. And I hope eventually we can get back to where we were. I think a lot of people are cooking more at home now. And so maybe they aren't necessarily even in that mindset anymore of let's just run out and grab something to eat because they couldn't for so long. So you know what I think, you know what I think it is for us, it used to feel like a pain or more effort to cook. Mm-hmm. because I didn't have like the ingredients or we'd have to go to the store. And now it feels more like a pain and more effort to get that reservation or to figure out who's open or where we mm-hmm. can go. And I'm sort of sad that there's been that shift, but I guess on the positive side, I'm certainly eating better in terms of what's healthier for me, you know, probably drinking the same if I'm being honest, cause I'm thinking <laughs> at home, but um, also with the expense of food and inflation, I, I wonder if people will again, continue to sort of hunker down at home because you can have mm-hmm. an omelet or, you know, you can make chili pretty, pretty inexpensively a pile of lentils. If, if you're working on a budget cooking, usually is a cheaper way to go than eating out. Right. Right. And even, you know, when our kids, before we had kids, John and I cooked together a lot. And then, you know, life got very busy. And during COVID, we kind of returned to that a little bit more of cooking together. And it's so much fun to do that, Um, you know, whether he's just chopping or, you know, just being in the kitchen at the island together. And so there's those experiences that 
we've returned to that I really enjoy. So while I love going out to eat, I also, we're doing more of that. And now that we can gather again, we have amazing friends that we just missed so much during COVID. And to be able to gather around the table in somebody's home, it's a little bit easier to talk sometimes than when you're out in a restaurant. As much as I love the restaurant experience, um, that's something that we've been really excited to return to and have been embracing. So yeah, I I feel the exact same way. And we're doing more, I guess, more entertaining, just but more casual entertaining, like biting right. a couple or two. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. Well, yeah. I wish you success with the book, Eat Your Words. Uh, it's Lisa Patron. And it's food and beverage themed puzzles for hungry minds. I'm really a fan. I'm excited about it. Do you keep like an updated list of where people can find things or is your website or your Instagram the best place for people to connect with you? I think right now my website, um, my Instagram and then my empty um, is the best place right now. And I do, um, I'll be updating my stories as it gets into more local places and on my link tree. Okay. Yeah, I'm anticipating... So. Uh, I'm anticipating releasing this episode like the first week of December. So hopefully we can get you some Christmas sales. Great. Thank you. You know, just thank you so much for having me. And I'm a huge fan of yours too. And I cannot wait for your cookbook. I've done recipes of yours. In fact, my brother is his very favorite soup is wild rice soup and your recipe really hit the mark. Oh, thank you. My instant pot recipe. Yeah, that that is a popular one. it's funny the recipes that resonate with people, like it just kind of cracks me up. And then recipes that I really love and people are like, no, I would never cook turnips, you know, just yeah. kind of the funny ones. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And we'll talk yeah. soon, Lisa. Thank you. Have okay. a great day. Bye. Bye.